today. We are talking today about mindfulness-based self-regulation. My name is Lisa Davis, as I mentioned. I'm an LCSW, and I also have a PhD in social work, um, and I'm the associate director of our uh, DMH-UCLA Public Mental Health Partnership. And I'm being joined today also by my co-host, um, Jean Lundquist, and Jean is also an LCSW, and um, she's an implementation uh, specialist at our Public Mental Health Partnership. Um, we're going to be talking about today um, a particular way of being in relationship with ourselves, um, and we're going to start off today immediately with an exercise that can really help us kind of start by having an experiential um, example of how we want to develop this relationship with ourselves as we talk about self-regulation. So I am going to turn it over to Jean. She's going to start us off right away with a, a little exercise on um, self-compassion. So take it away, Jean. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you all for joining today. This is just a brief sort of grounding meditation focused on self-compassion so that we're all starting off in a good headspace to talk more about mindfulness. So we're going to start off sitting in a comfortable position, reasonably upright and relaxed, and you can either fully or partially close your eyes. Now take a few deep breaths to settle into your body and into the present moment. You can put your hand on your heart for a moment as a reminder to be kind to yourself. Now begin to notice if you are holding on to some difficult emotions such as worry about the future or uneasiness about the past. Understand that every human body bears stress and worry throughout the day. Now offer yourself goodwill because of what you're holding in your body right now. Say the following phrases to yourself, softly and gently. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. If your mind has wandered, return to the words or to the emotion that you are holding in your body. Go slowly, gently. Try to name the emotion or find the place in your physical body and try to soften that area. When you're comfortable, return to the phrases. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. 
May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. Finally, take a few breaths and sit quietly in your body, knowing that you can return to these phrases anytime you wish during the rest of your day. When you are ready, gently open your eyes. Thank you all for taking the time for this practice today. Uh, we'll now begin the rest of the training with Lisa. Thank you, Jean. Um, what a wonderful reminder that in just a couple minutes, we can kind of shift the quality of our experience. Um, thank you for, for leading us through that. Um, okay, good. So uh, just to touch on what we're gonna cover today, um, we are gonna touch on some key concepts, including emotional self-regulation, behavioral regulation, and mindfulness skills. And in particular, learning about mindfulness skills that can support self-regulation and well-being. And we also are going to, as we talk especially about behavioral regulation, we're gonna talk about um, the importance of and some methods for uh, developing a self-care action plan um, so that we can really attend to ourselves during uh, really stressful times. So um, I think that we are all aware that what we've taken for granted really as our, our normal day-to-day -day reality uh, has suddenly changed in a matter of days um, really around the world. Uh, so you may have noticed that you are kind of, all of us have been thrust into uh, kind of a, a state of upheaval and uncertainty. Um, there's a lot of anxiety connected with that. The likes of which we may never have quite experienced before. Even if you've had the rug pulled out from under you in your life, you know, maybe once or twice, maybe you've been around the block once or twice, you've had a few things happen. Um, it's quite possible that this situation is somewhat unique in terms of being in really uh, a great deal of uncertainty um, and just things literally moment to moment, day to day are shifting and it is stressful and there's a lot of anxiety. Um, the good news is that uh, as human beings, when we are sort of thrust into a lot of upheaval and dysregulation, um, we're built to naturally seek out ways to return to homeostasis and balance. It's kind of an innate drive that we have. But importantly though, not all attempts to adapt and, uh, and uh, come back into balance are equal. Um, some of our especially very reactive uh, attempts to cope might actually end up undermining our well-being in the long run. Um, for example, you know, overworking, overeating, overcaffeinating, and so on. Um, whereas other kinds of self-regulatory strategies uh, can support our well-being 
in the long run more effectively, um, our emotional well-being, and also our ability to take effective action. So what can be really helpful when we're face-to-face -face with a high degree of uncertainty, a high degree of ambu ambiguity and stress, is to, first of all, become aware of how we're making sense out of our experience, how we're attaching meaning to what's happening to us and around us, how that is then connected to our emotional states, and how all of that, what, what our beliefs and our emotions um, are, are connected then to our behavioral responses and our attempts to cope. And when we're able to bring um, awareness to that in a particular way where we're not evaluating or judging, um, but we're, we're just uh, able to accept these kinds of uh, reactions that we're having, then we're more likely to be in a position to make intentional and deliberate choices about how we might want to self-regulate our internal experience and also we might be able to see more clearly how to take effective action. So we're going to talk about two kinds of self-regulation today. We're going to talk about emotion self-regulation and we're going to talk about behavioral regulation and we're going to talk about and also practice using mindfulness skills, which are essentially a way of regulating attention um, to be able to encourage ourselves to uh, meet some really challenging circumstances in a way that is uh, likely to help us uh, do that in a way that's flexible and adaptable. Um, so let's just start out by defining what mindfulness is. And there's actually quite a few definitions at this point. Um, and some of them are very complex and, and interesting. Um, this is still my favorite definition. It is one of the original definitions that was developed by John Kabat-Zinn, and he is a pioneer, one of the first people to bring mindfulness into the context of health, um, and from there move to mental health and psychology. And he says, mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So that is a simple definition, but it's incredibly comprehensive because it gives us the, this full instruction about gathering our attention into the present um, and uh, really attending to and tuning into what's happening, but suspending our judgment and evaluation about it. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that and we're going to practice, but uh, first I want to say a couple words about how mindfulness relates to self-regulation and I want to start with in particular emotion regulation um, and what that really means. Um, so emotion regulation is the ability to come in contact with a whole range of emotion, positive emotions, painful emotions, negative emotions, the whole range, with enough flexibility that we are able to experience them, but at the same time not become overly fixated or taken over by them. So one way to think about emotion regulation is that it's an ability to find a kind of inner balance um, with emotional states where we're neither 
pushing away an unwanted thought or feeling, nor are we uh, becoming overly focused or flooded by it. Um, so we're kind of in that state of, of balance. And mindfulness allows us to kind of step back into this observing position where we are tuning in, we are connecting, but there's, we're also observing. So there's a little bit of space between us and the thoughts and feelings. We're not completely merged with them. And this is a very important skill, actually, emotion regulation, for a couple reasons. And this is also, by the way, it's for us as providers, could be also really good psychoeducation um, to share with people that we're working with. The reason why this skill is so important is that um, it turns out that when we're trying to suppress or avoid negative experiences or things that we don't want to feel, there can be this paradoxical effect where uh, as we try to push that away, um, it actually can become more salient or more prominent in the field of our attention. So the more we try not to have a thought or a feeling, um, the more we might end up actually amplifying it. And there's actually research, um, very interesting research that shows that um, attempts to try to suppress and avoid negative emotions um, actually can increase distress and um, increase their prominence in our, our field of attention. There's also research to show that in contrast to that, kind of really approaching those difficult emotions without being in a state of judgment about them can diffuse um, distress. Um, so this may seem counterintuitive, and it's also a helpful thing. It's, it's, it's for us, and could also, in your own words, be something that you explain to people that you're working with, that there's this counterintuitive aspect to this of approaching painful and difficult experiences in a particular way, and this we're gonna talk about, um, can actually help us uh, to feel more empowered and uh, less distressed. So um, we're gonna talk about um, and practice, um, we're gonna practice a little mindfulness exercise in just a couple of moments. We're gonna do a short 10 minute uh, mindful awareness of the breath and body. Um, and after we do this exercise, I'm gonna stop and pause, and I am going to, um, you know, turn to Jean. She's gonna be, like we said, tracking and monitoring. Please just continue to write into chat. After the exercise, I'm gonna stop. Um, we're gonna go over comments and questions, and um, also especially invite you to share anything about uh, your experience during the exercise, okay? Before we launch into it, couple words of instruction and um, just sort of what we're aiming to do with these exercises. Okay, so um, the first thing is when we're practicing mindfulness, we're not trying to make ourselves feel good. We're not trying to, to do anything in particular with thoughts and feelings. We're not trying to get rid of them. We're not trying to change them into better um, thoughts or feelings. And we're not trying to make our minds be blank. What we are aiming to do is to kind of drop down into the moment 
and just tune in and check it out. Just check out what's going on. And we don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what we're going to find. Um, so there's a willingness to say, okay, I'm going to check out what's going on inside. And I'm going to sort of have this attitude of, of welcoming it. And I don't have to work anything out. I don't have to figure out why I'm feeling a certain way, where a thought is leading to. We just allow it to be. And there's an image that might be helpful um, in terms of this instruction of letting things be. And it's the image of a snow globe. Um, and so if you look at the snow globe in the middle of your screen, um, it's been shaken up. And there's a lot of flex and flurries swirling around in there. And that can be a lot like what we're experiencing when we've got a lot of thoughts, feelings, emotions swirling, especially during highly stressful times. Um, and you can see in that that snow globe is it's kind of cloudy. If I were to pick that snow globe up and try to look through it, I wouldn't be able to see very clearly. I couldn't see very well what's around me through all of those flurries. Um, but if I were to just stop for a moment, if I did nothing else but just hold that globe in my hand and actually just allow it to be, naturally and sort of eventually, those flurries and specks would start to float down to the bottom and settle on the bottom. So if you look at the snow globe on your right, you see the, the globe in that, in that settled state. And now we have space that's opened up. If you were to look through that snow globe, you could see clearly what was around you. So we've got spaciousness and clarity, but nothing has been taken out. Nothing has been removed. And nothing has been, we didn't have to try to shove those flecks away. Um, and in the same way, we can deliberately and intentionally take a step back and literally do nothing else but settle in, um, allowing ourselves to be with the flurries, um, simply uh, not engaging them or latching onto them and seeing whether there's space that can open up. Um, so mindfulness instructions, these are adapted from dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, the instruction is, first of all, just observe, just notice each experience without getting caught in it. And you can think of feelings and thoughts as passing through, like clouds, or if you like that image of the flurries kind of settling. Um, we, we will get pulled into trains of thought, feelings, and that's not a mistake. That's not a problem. Um, the instruction is that when you notice that, each time you can congratulate yourself that you've noticed you're absorbed in thinking and then just gently escort your attention back to your breathing. So we're observing this and we're not judging it and instead just being interested, sort of a stance of curiosity about what's happening inside. And so the thing to do with mindfulness is actually to practice it. <laughs> because it sounds like a great idea, and it is a great idea, but um, the real benefit of it 
comes with practice. So we're going to do that now. And then as soon as we are done with this um, uh, exercise, we're going to pause and we'll have a chance to talk a little bit via chat and Jean and I will uh, read those out and attend to them. Um, okay, so um, a lot of people find it helpful to close their eyes during this type of exercise because it helps with focus, but you don't need to. You could also just fix your gaze sort of gently uh, at a neutral point in front of you. And the first thing that we're going to do right now is just bring your attention to uh, the alignment of your head and your neck and your back. So if you bring your attention to aligning, um, the head and the neck and the back, you're kind of, you can shift slightly so that you're bringing yourself into a very um, comfortable but upright position. And with your feet flat on the floor. So bringing yourself into this position now, you've, you're sitting upright and alert, but relaxed, not at all rigid in any way and your feet are flat on the floor, see if you can just kind of come into this position and feeling the stability of it, kind of feeling how stable and rooted you are. And as you're sitting in this very stable position, you can move the spotlight of your attention down into your abdomen and feeling the abdomen rise on the in-breath and feeling it gently fall on the out-breath. Rise on the in-breath, fall on the out-breath. Just feel that circular motion, noticing when the in-breath turns and becomes the out-breath. Allowing yourself to just feel a few waves of the breath moving in and out. Okay, now you're hearing my voice, you're listening to my words, and notice that you can move your attention around. So as you're hearing my voice, you can move your attention to the bottom of your feet and feel now where your feet are making contact with the floor. And you can actually bring your attention into your toes, where your toes are making contact, your heels, your feet. and feeling that the feet are supported by the floor. And breathing in, you can imagine your breath moving all the way down into the feet, if you like, all the way, and breathing out and letting go. And you can move your attention now up a bit into the legs. 
feeling the back of the legs, the calves, the shins. Feel the back of your thighs against the chair. The front of your thighs, maybe your hands are sitting on your thighs. And feeling and sensing the whole lower part of your body, your legs all the way down to your feet. Your feet are rooted on the floor. And feeling the breath as it moves in. And releasing on the out breath. Okay, and bringing your attention up a bit now to the lower abdomen and the lower back. Feeling and sensing the lower back. This is an area where many of us hold a lot of tension. Breathing down into the abdomen and the lower back. And as you breathe out, if you're able to let go of any tension, letting go on the out breath. Okay, moving your attention into your chest. Now breathing in, feel the lungs expand. Big breath in, expanding the lungs, feeling the chest as it moves out. And feeling the breath as it moves out and the chest gently fall. Now, just notice if your mind starts to trail off. Just notice. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if this is working. Am I supposed to be feeling something? Whatever your thoughts are, whatever they are, just notice them. You can label them as thinking and just return your attention back to the breath and the sensations in the chest. In and breathing out. In and breathing out. Moving your attention now up into your shoulders and your neck. This is another area that we often hold a lot of tension. Just feel the sensations in the shoulders. Breathing into the shoulders and the neck. Breathing out. Seeing if you can soften the shoulders. Letting them soften. And moving your attention up into the head, feeling the back of the head, the top of the head. Moving down into the forehead. See if you can let the forehead soften. And feel all of the muscles in the face 
in this neutral position. The jaw, the cheeks. So often we're expressing or communicating something. Just allow yourself to feel the face in this neutral position at rest. And now feel and sense your entire body as a whole. Your feet are connected to the floor, your legs back straight, feeling and sensing the whole of your body in this very stable, grounded position. Breathing in, Remembering that with each in-breath, you are bringing in oxygen that is literally feeding every cell in your body. Each breath in brings oxygen to your entire bloodstream, nourishes, and each breath out, you are letting go of what the body no longer needs. Breathing in, nourishing, breathing out what the body no longer needs. And sitting in this very stable position, I want you to bring into your mind's eye the image of a mountain. Picture a mountain could be a mountain that you've been to, or a picture, or a mountain from a movie, just a big, massive, majestic mountain. Bring that into your mind's eye. And see if you can map on that very stable mountain onto the position that you're sitting in sensing your whole body sitting. And imagine now the mountain, night turns into day, day turns into night, and the mountain sits. Seasons change, it starts to rain, the rain falls down on the mountain, and the mountain sits. Storms come, the rain starts to pour and beat down on the mountain, thunder and lightning crack, lightning cracks down on the mountain, and the mountain sits. Gets very cold and the water turns into snow and ice, and the mountain sits. Seasons change, the sun comes, warms the mountain, water flows, grass grows, flowers grow, and the mountain sits. And just reminding yourself that through all changing conditions, we are changing, we are being affected, 
And at the very same time, we have this stable part of ourselves that we can always experience. And with that, I'm going to invite you to come back to the room, come back to our virtual room, reorient yourself to your environment, slowly open your eyes, take a moment, and uh, thank you for joining me in that. Um, I want to take some time and uh, gonna ask Jean now. We're gonna talk about questions, comments, and how everyone's doing so far. Yeah, so I'm just reaching out to see um, any comments, but we did have, um, David did ask that it's sometimes difficult to view his emotions in a non-judgmental way and ask some recommendations. Um, and we had a little discussion about positive affirmations, positive self-talks from Anita, and also treating ourselves like a friend, mm. trying to talk to ourselves positively mm -hmm. as we would yeah. with a friend. Yeah. And Jennifer talked about being gentle with yourself. Yeah. And then Leah asked that um, it's difficult to find the time to relax enough to practice mindfulness and asked for some tips. So we talked about setting an intention for the day as a way to start. Um, and that can be done by just taking three deep breaths and kind of checking in during or at the end of the day to see if you maintain yeah. that in intention. Yeah. And also mindful eating, mindful walking, things we have to do. <laughs> and uh, yes, we, can, right. we can be mindful. Um, and then, yeah, so Pamela says this was an awesome breathing technique, Lisa. It was very powerful. Anita said it was awesome. So we're getting good feedback. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So oh, that's so great. I kind of, um, after hearing you um, say that, Jean, I kind of feel like there's a few clusters of themes there. So first part was, I think several people mentioned things about um, being a friend to the oneself, positive affirming affirming oneself talking to oneself in a certain way and i think this is a beautiful um way to think about this as what we're doing part of these practices is having a relationship with self in a particular way and i think that is a wonderful way to think about it and sometimes people even find it helpful to think about you know we often give, especially those of us in the helping professions, right? We give such careful and compassionate attention to others. Um, and sometimes it can be easier. And so to do that with others. And so thinking about all of this in terms of a way of wanting to be in relationship with self, I think is a wonderful conceptualization. And so I just wanna, um, I just want to acknowledge that and that the way you talk to yourself, the way you approach yourself is a 
is a wonderful way to think about this. Um, uh, and I want to also really acknowledge David's comment about that it's hard to not feel judgmental. I think that um, if, if we're doing this practice and we're not coming face to face, I mean, it's, it's sort of like it is hard to, to not sort of judge our experience. That's really the practice. In other words, it's not that we sort of just tune in. It sounds very simple, you know, just suspend your judgment, you know, um, but that's actually a, a practice that is uh, really takes patience. And it begins with <laughs> noticing our judgment. In other words, not judging ourselves for being judgy, um, if that makes sense. Um, so what a wonderful thing to notice that it's hard to not be judgmental and because that's the beginning of awareness so um, we just work with that and we just rather than trying to push ourselves even harder i've got to stop being judgmental um, we take that as an opportunity of like oh look at so easy for me to you know jump right in and push myself or judge myself so um, I would say that that is the practice that's a wonderful awareness if you are aware that you're struggling with that. I'm going to move forward. Um, thank you all for these really wonderful comments and questions. We're going to have another chance to have some interaction in just a moment, but I hope that this exercise was, uh, was something that inspires you to, to try to work with this. And by the way, the issue about finding time, we can, we're going to get to this in a moment, but there are very, very short ways that we can quickly tune in and do like a three minute breathing space. Um, so we'll, we'll address that as well. Um, okay. So I want to um, shift a little bit now to behavioral regulation and um, Specifically to talk about in a, this piece about how we relate to ourselves is really important And I think people made really beautiful comments about that and um, The wonderful thing about this is that we can also attend to the idea of taking action um, that supports our well-being and um, The key to that is really being able to choose how we respond um, rather than being caught in a cycle of reactivity so that we're uh, making deliberate choices about um, actions and steps that we take. So on the left-hand side of your screen here, you can see this is the cycle of stress reactivity. And we see starting from the top of this diagram, um, you can see we start with stressful events, right? Events occur and they're they're stressful. And immediately, the, the first thing that happens immediately on the left, you see, is perception and appraisal. And so um, as soon as events occur, there's this immediate process of how we're constructing meaning around what is happening to us. And the way that we construct meaning then um, affects our psychophysiology, so can trigger this stress response and a lot of psychophysiological um, uh, uh, activation. And um, that then affects our emotional states and um, 
if especially if we're not aware that this cycle is occurring, um, that can activate very sort of automatic attempts to try to come back into balance. Um, and the issue is that we're, we're kind of being pulled along in that cycle. So for example, let's say we're having very automatic and distressing appraisals such as catastrophizing. You know, we're immediately thinking about worst possible outcomes. We might be repeatedly picturing that. Um, but we're not aware that that's what's happening. It's just sort of flashing through and it's leading to this cycle. And we're much more likely to get caught up in sort of knee-jerk reactions that tend to lead to more maladaptive ways of uh, responding or reacting. And then that can sort of become a vicious cycle. So on the right-hand side, um, we have an alternative to that. And um, the sort of antidote to this reactive cycle um, and maladaptive coping um, is awareness. As soon as we add that into the equation or into the cycle here, you've already changed the dynamic of a very automatic unconscious reaction, right? It's already different. Um, and you can see here in this picture on the right, after perception and appraisal, we have awareness, and in particular, a non-judgmental awareness. Now, we may, we're still experiencing stress. You know, it's still, you know, we still may feel distressed, but we're, we're able to see things more clearly. And uh, with, with seeing comes the opportunity, again, to, um, it's sort of like that snow globe when we're able to kind of see more clearly what's around us more options might open up and we might be able to see the potential for different ways of problem solving, ways of taking action that can be effective. And so if we're able to self-regulate, we may be able to prevent ourselves from sort of spinning out. But even if we're not able to prevent it, even if we get very overwhelmed, we're completely reactive, you know, we might lash out, might say hurtful things. Um, that's okay. That's fine. Um, as we continue, though, to try to practice coming back to the present, we can regain our equilibrium a lot more quickly, even when we, you know, get very, um, very flooded. And that can be really empowering as well. So I want to give you a couple examples of some really common appraisal or thought patterns that are very common during stressful times. Um, again, this is for us, also might be helpful information to share with those that you're working with. Um, and if you recognize these, they're actually a good signal um, to that we need to kind of stop and, and uh, really try to take a step back and uh, practice our, our mindfulness skills. The first one is catastrophizing. Um, catastrophizing is when we sort of automatically think of the worst case outcome, um, and we might sort of imagine, picture negative scenarios like over and over in our mind. And importantly, this is coupled with a, a few other things, which is feeling as though the, the problem's gonna be long lasting. You know, it feels like this is never going to end when we're in this state. And it also seems very pervasive. This is going to affect every area of my life. 
And all of that is also connected to a sense of helplessness, and there's nothing I can do about it. That's catastrophizing. So when we get into this mode, or if we're top working with others and we're helping them recognize that, um, first thing that we do is we name it. And we might not notice it in the moment. We might have gone down a whole road for a while, and at some point we're like, oh, catastrophizing. I know what that is. So we recognize it, name it. We don't give ourselves a hard time about it. And then we shift and we can do a three minute breathing space. Um, and just a couple minutes, once we become aware, can change the moments that come next. Um, another common pattern is focusing on the negative and discounting the positive. Um, it actually seems to be sort of a part of the human condition, actually, that negative experiences just seem to have more weight than either neutral or even positive experiences. Um, there are some interesting theories in the field of evolutionary, evolutionary psychology about this that we're sort of, uh, it, it favored our survival to be more aware of threats in the environment. But for, for whatever reason, our, our attention can get very drawn to negative experiences more quickly and stay focused there. Whereas something that wasn't a problem or even was very positive, we might just gloss over that. Uh, and not even really take it in uh, very much. So we might have three Zoom calls or three phone calls that went perfectly fine. Everything went well. The fourth Zoom meeting was a you know disaster. We couldn't log on. We got kicked out of the meeting. We lost audio. Our call kept getting dropped. And the three that went fine might move to the periphery of our attention. And that one that was really bad, will dominate. And so, again, um, this is a pattern of perception that we have influence over. And we can intentionally look for and acknowledge things that aren't a problem or little things that actually were very um, positive um, or pleasurable. And the last pattern I want to mention here is under stress um, heightened sense of self-criticism. You might find yourself uh, having a lot of shoulds right now. You know, I'm I'm the I'm the one who helps other people. I I should be able to handle this. I should know what to do. Um, uh, you know, we can sort of have a lot of expectations of our ourselves, um, and when we're under stress, uh, that can lead us to feeling a sense of shame or failure if we're we're not doing what we think we should uh, supposed to be able to do. So again, when we notice this, it's an opportunity. And it's just the, the comments that people were making earlier about befriending oneself, about uh, relating to oneself in a particular way. That's when we're able to uh, really uh, intentionally and deliberately try to engage in that type of relationship with, with self. So again, comments about like it's hard to find the time. It's true. Um, this is an exercise that you can do 10 times a day. It takes 60 seconds and it's called STOP. And STOP stands for stop, um, take a breath or two, just observe, just acknowledge, name, no need to evaluate, recognize, and then 
proceed with the task at hand. And if you just do that um, a few times a day or whenever you remember to, again, it can change the quality of sort of what happens next. Some people like to post this, uh, like a flyer like this, on their desk or on a refrigerator where you can see it. Um, okay. We're going to, uh, in a couple minutes, pause again. Um, I just want to say, I want to acknowledge that it's also possible that you might be experiencing some positive things right now. It, it, it doesn't all have to be difficult and, and struggle. Um, there's actually a whole interesting field of study called benefit finding. And ben benefit finding is... Uh, when people who are facing adversity and really difficult experiences, they sometimes report um, positive things that can, can sort of come from that, such as gaining a real sense of clarity about what is most important to them in life. So you might be noticing that you're very aware right now of how deeply interconnected we are across this planet. It, it's sort of an unusual thing. You know, so often we're just sort of, uh, we have a sort of kind of divisions and divisiveness and we see ourselves as very separate. This is sort of an unusual moment of like, it's a small planet and we're all in this boat together. Um, that very clear sense of how interconnected we are can be a very powerful feeling. And similarly, you might be very um, connected to what you really care about. You might be motivated to express heartfelt feelings or be vulnerable in a good way right now um, because we're sort of face to face with how precarious things can be. And sometimes that might get you to, you know, Oh, express something that you might not otherwise express. Um, in addition to this inner relationship, self-regulating what's going on inside, especially in times like this, it is very important to pre-plan self-care activities um, and to actually make a self-care action plan with a couple two or three things that you can do every day. So that means you're doing very small things that you can do very regularly. You don't want to make them big, huge things because that's how we can build up a cushion of uh, resilience. Um, and there's a couple questions here. And no, we're getting close to time. A couple questions here. So I want you to think about these on your own time, if you would, um, and write down some ideas. But let's take a couple minutes. I'm going to read these out. and. Um, if anybody wants to write anything into the chat, um, and I'll have Jean read them out. Um, the first question is, what are the things you can do during the day that feel nurturing and positive to you? This, by the way, these are questions you can also use with your clients. Nurturing and positive. And the second part of that question is, how might you change things so that you can do these more often? or and or become more aware of them. So this is the first thing. What are the things you can do that feel nurturing and positive? Um, okay, uh, let's share any thoughts that you have in the moment. Anybody have any thoughts? 
Um, I think they're coming in slowly but surely, but David talked about how eating healthy food. Um, Latoya said hourly body scans. Salvador said drinking water. Uh, Anita said taking a lunch break and then half of her lunch break goes to exercise. Mm. Elizabeth said opening a window for fresh air, taking some deep breaths periodically. Jennifer said good food and music therapy. Mm. Hannah said cuddling my dog. (laughs) Um, Beautiful. What a wonderful range. In just a couple seconds, um, we have wonderful ways of attending to our bodies, cuddling with an animal, such a powerful uh, therapeutic thing. Um, these are wonderful. And I encourage you to write a couple of them down that you can actually literally do every single day, especially during this period. Um, okay, now, oh, so getting enough sleep is a big one. Um, Flip side of that is notice and pay attention what are the things that during the day that leave you feeling drained, agitated, or anxious. And how might these best be done less often? Now, maybe it's something you have to do. Maybe it's something for work, but it's very draining. In that case, um, how can you get support or support yourself? Um, so what are the things that leave you trained, agitated, or anxious? Does anybody have any thoughts that come right to mind? Anita says the news media, which I wholeheartedly agree with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so did David. I've actually started going for end of the week updates <laughs> instead of daily checking. Oh, smart. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vanessa says humor. Wherever oh. you can find the humor, laugh and laugh a lot. There oh. are really great comedy specials on so many platforms. <laughs> that is so wonderful. Yeah. Humor is like perspective. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful suggestion. Um, okay. <laughs> So great. Again, I do, you know, when you have time, if you want to reflect on these questions, again, also, you might want to, if you're working with folks, uh, this, these questions might be helpful as well. All right, as we finish up, I'm going to go through these quickly. But, um, you know, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy has identified a lot of self-regulatory strategies that many, many people find helpful. These are just a few. I want to draw your attention, though, to the the first two bullet points on your left, because I think when we are overwhelmed, it is a good time to pay particular attention to finding things that increase your sense of mastery what gives you a feeling of mastery. Maybe it's just organizing your room. Maybe it's making your bed. Maybe it's preparing food so you, you know, you can control that. Making lists of tasks, doing, creating something tangible. Um, And then along with mastery is right now in particular, looking for ways to increase pleasurable activities. You know, taking a bath, taking care of a plant, doodling, just letting yourself draw, you know, collect things, daydream, um, look for ways to really uh, give yourself nurturing and pleasurable activities. And remind yourself 
over and over if need be, that difficult experiences change. And in fact, all experiences are constantly changing. And this too will change. And don't take my word for it. You know, just in the span of one hour, observe how many thoughts, feelings, memories, sensations are cycling through and see whether or not it's true that things are constantly changing and this too will change. Um, there's some more things here you can look over. Uh, everybody hopefully has the PowerPoint or we'll make sure you do have the PowerPoint. Um, Self-care and relationships right now, we're all very stressed out. Ask for something from a coworker or a friend or a family member that you need or want, like feedback or information. Um, lots of good ideas here. Um, physical self-care is paramount when we're very stressed. I learned from uh, Dr. Hannah Mark, who's a, a member of our team, has some expertise. And I learned from her that it's actually good to aim for between seven to, to nine hours if you can. That's a good, healthy window. And also wake up at the same time every morning, even on the weekends, so that you can get uh, rhythm and routine for your body um, and regular movement. So here we end here with, you know, through it all. The mountain just sits, experiencing change, constantly changing, but always being that rooted, uh, stable mountain self. Um, there are some books here in particular that all of this, there's a lot more information about all of this. If you like, uh, if you want to get more, um, there's four books here in particular that are very, very helpful. Um, this is my contact information and Jean's contact information. Reach out to us. Please, we're happy to talk more, you know, talk more about resources. Um, our website uh, at the bottom, I uh, want to uh, really point out pmhp.ucla.edu. We have a training at home tab that has all of our Zoom trainings. We've got ones like almost every day. We've got archived all the trainings that were that have been done. Um, we have an FSP training online tab with modules online, up-to-date resources. Please go and check it out. So there's always something there if you want to give yourself, you know, a breather and have a chance to just kind of take care of yourself. Um, Thank you all so very, very much for being here. Uh, we really appreciate it. We really hope that uh, people can stay safe and stay, um, you know, as resilient as you can and keep moving forward. Um, and we look forward to seeing you at our next training.